I don't know if you can hear my children. It's a good noise. In the beginning, there was love. The love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or the parent, the child, the movement, the creator, redeemer, sustainer, however you want to say it. Before the universe existed, God is. And God's very core, God's very foundation is a relationship, a relationship that is bound together by unconditional love and trust. Now, this relationship within God is so great that it had to expand. So God created matter and energy and the laws of the universe that would help them to come together to form stars and planets and galaxies. And the creation was so infused with God's creative impulse that it simply could not help but continue to create. That's how you know that God is a creative God, because God's creation just keeps creating. See, God's love is not something that God does, like our love is an action that we do. God's love is more like gravity. It is simply a force that exerts itself upon all things. Love permeates the cosmos. It moves it towards more beautiful iterations of itself. And God saw the growing complexity of the universe and saw that it was very good. Then 3.6 billion years after life began to form on this beautiful planet Earth, human consciousness developed. And God looked upon that and thought that that was very good. Humans were young, full of immature instincts, but God loved us with that same love that binds the Trinity together and invited us into that great holy dance. Humans sometimes answered that call, as we sometimes answer it today, but I think more often than not, we chose our own needs and our wants and our fears over that which God invites us to. And we, as we read in the beginning parts of the scripture, chose that forbidden fruit for ourselves instead. And that story in the Garden of Eden, which we've probably all heard a thousand times, I think is a compelling story that keeps getting told over and over again, not because it is a historical event that literally happened, but because it is a human reality that continues to happen over and over and over again every time we choose our own wants and desires over that which is best for all. Every day it happens when we choose what we think will make us happy instead of what God says will make us whole. And in that ancient creation myth, we read that Adam and Eve hid from God, like so many of us do when we realize that we are not living up to our best selves. But God's response in that story was not to go and create better humans, to, you know, shake the etch-a-sketch and start over again, as it were this time with less free will. <laughs> I don't know, it's probably what I would do. No, God's response in that story is to go looking for humanity. To say, Adam, Eve, where are you? And God has not stopped looking for us ever since. 
I think in the early days of humanity, God spoke to us through the quiet places within ourselves, through the whispers in the trees, through the warmth of the sun on our skin. But as cities grew and people grew more complex and busy and agriculture and all of that, we stopped paying attention to the still small voice of God within nature. So in response to that, God sent poets. God sent writers, storytellers. God sent people to use our own newly developed languages in order to reach back out to us, to love us, to tell us over and over again in words we can understand that God loves us. And those books, those poems, those stories, those letters, those libraries are bursting at the seams with God's love. But they were also so often used to control people that I think a lot of folks stopped believing that love was truly their inspiration. So then God sent prophets to be big, loudmouth megaphones so that the people who had grown cynical would hear the word of God again. Because if you're not going to hear it in the whispers of nature, if you're not going to hear it in the beauty and the poems and the stories and the letters of scriptures, then somebody's got to scream in your face about it. <laughs> and the thing about the prophets is that people hear them, but they're not widely accepted. Um, they often have words for us that we would rather not hear. And that's when God took an even more drastic step to get our attention. When the whispers of nature, when the written word, when the prophetic voice were all not quite strong enough for us to hear, God came to us in human flesh. What could be more dramatic than God taking on humanity itself? What could be more powerful way of expressing God's love for us than to physically embrace us with our own arms? to speak to us using our own voice in a language that we developed, to make his home among us. So he did. And Jesus told Zacchaeus that the whole reason that he came to earth was to seek and save the lost. To seek and save the lost. To continue that work that God has been doing since humans first spoke took their first steps on the plains of Africa to seek and save us and invite us into that cosmic love that binds the universe together. And so, of course, we did to him what we do to everyone who calls us to be our best selves. We put him to death. Every step along the way, God has been seeking us out, and we have been shutting God down. And now at this point, friends, I think this should be humanity's last straw. I'm not sure there is a place that you can fall farther than crucifying God. All of the, the little trivial sins and things that pull us apart from each other and from God are, you know, weighty enough in and of themselves. But is there a worse thing that you can do? than executing uh, God-made flesh. Good Friday should have been the end of the human story, but it was not. 
And that is the good news. Humanity did the worst thing that humanity could possibly do. And God said, is that all you got? Because you know what happened in between that Friday, that Friday that should have been the end of humanity, and the Sunday that is today when Christ overcame death itself. What did Jesus do on that day, on that Saturday, while his body lay lifeless in that tomb? 1 Peter 3 tells us that after he died, Jesus descended to the place where all of the dead go, wherever that is. And he sought out those who were held in chains, who were rebellious in the days of Noah to preach the good news to them. We don't often preach that passage, I think. And I think maybe we should. Because he found them and he told them the good news. Even though these people didn't listen to him thousands of years earlier, God never stopped looking for them. And even if it took becoming a human, descending to er, into hell itself, he was going to find these rebellious people one way or another. Just sit with that for a moment. If Jesus found rebellious people who had been dead for thousands of years, what makes you think that you are beyond God's reach? Or anyone, for that matter. I'm reminded of, of, of uh, somebody who, who asked uh, this German theologian, Jürgen Moltmann, they were trying to trap him into committing a heresy, and they said, are you, are you a universalist? Do you believe in eventual universal salvation that Jesus will save every single soul? And he said to them, no, I am not, because there are lots of people I do not want to meet again. <laughs> but I think Jesus might be. <laughs> so then on the third day, when Jesus' work was complete, he actually overcame death itself and rose from the grave. But that wasn't even enough for Jesus. He had to go find his friends, his disciples, his mother. He couldn't just retire, take it easy for a while, you know, take a week off before coming back. After hundreds of thousands of years of seeking after humanity, we read in our passage today that Mary Magdalene came to the tomb looking for him. And we also come looking for Jesus today, believing that he wants to be found, believing that the God who has been reaching out to us from every corner of the cosmos, from all of space and time, is not surprised by our mistakes or disappointed by our shortcomings. God does not give up when we stop following God, and God does not stop loving us. Because once again, love is not something God does. Love is not something that God sends into the universe. Love is a force that God is. So friends, as you go out onto this Easter Sunday, to your family dinners, to your various egg hunts and marshmallow peeps, as it were, I want to leave you with these words from Romans chapter 8. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let us pray.